Unprepared to engage Mormon missionaries when they knock on your door? Perhaps the book Mormonism 101 will help. Mormonism 101, published by Baker Book. Available at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Our thanks to Adams Road for that musical introduction. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our series looking at an article that was in the June 2020 edition of Ensign Magazine, an article titled Answers to Seven Questions from Young Married Adults. It begins on page 76 of this particular edition, and it's an article by Dallin H. Oaks, a member of the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We haven't been focusing on all the questions. We've been looking only at question number five. Why? Because we find this to be a question that I'm sure many Latter-day Saints are asking. Here's how the question reads. My spouse has gone inactive due to doubts regarding church history and doctrinal issues. How should I go about researching and responding to these issues? Excellent question. And as I said, I'm sure there's probably a lot of Latter-day Saints that are going through this kind of a struggle, especially with all the information that is out there right now regarding church history and doctrinal issues. But what intrigues us is the first sentence of Dallin Oaks' answer. He said, I suggest that research is not the answer. And that's what we've been focusing on during this week, because in the second sentence, he tends to guide the questioner to where they should be looking for those answers when he writes, References to the church's many helps to answer familiar questions, such as the Gospel Topics Essays at churchofjesuschrist.org, may help one who is sincerely seeking. And we don't have a problem with that answer. Unless, of course, Dallin Oaks is hinting that he only wants those who have questions to look at sources provided by the church. Now, during this week, we've shown that there's a mixed opinion regarding that. Some agree that you should only go to church sources, as it seems Dallin Oaks is hinting here, while others, even including Russell M. Nelson, the 17th president of the church, they seem to open the door for research into areas outside of that which is produced by the LDS church. One thing for sure, there have been a lot of leaders and even church manuals that tend to tell members that they should not be looking at writings or material that are put out by those who are sincerely critical and spend a lot of time criticizing the church. There's one quote in particular that we want to look at regarding that very topic. And this comes out of the Book of Mormon Student Manual, 121 through 122, that was produced in 2009. This is found on page 216. 
It says a common tactic used by those who are trying to destroy faith is called a straw man argument. This is done by setting up a false image, a straw man, of the truth and then attacking the false image in order to convince others the true image is false. A simple example of this is a child accusing parents who won't let him play until he gets his work done of not wanting him to have any fun. This is faulty reasoning, but it is often used to deceive others. Sometimes others claim that Latter-day Saints believe something that we don't believe. They claim that the false belief is false and then show that it is false. It has nothing to do with what we really believe, but is an attempt to make us seem to be an heir. We would agree that using a straw man argument is a bad way to reason. That's why it's called a logical fallacy. But is that really what's being done here? We try very hard, as I'm sure a lot of Christians try very hard to be as accurate as possible in the arguments that they present. And we know that raising a logical fallacy like the straw man that was just described is not going to be successful. So why would we want to do that? Hopefully, understanding what a logical fallacy is would help us to avoid doing just that, as this accusation is making. This is a teachable moment, Bill, as as an educator for many years. We called it a teachable moment when something comes up, and I want to say we do not want to make a straw man argument. And I think the way that we can avoid that, and when we're sharing our faith with Latter-day Saints, whether they're our friends, family members, neighbors, is never tell the Latter-day Saint what he or she believes. Instead, Ask the question, what is it you believe about blank? Let them tell you. Now, they may tell you things that are opposite of what the leaders have taught. And if you listen to our show for any amount of time, you know that we take what the leaders say from Salt Lake City to be much more important than anything an individual Mormon might have to say. When we allow them to tell us what they believe, and then we say, well, that's wonderful. However, that's not what your leaders say. They're going to have to go against their leaders to believe something that is in opposition to that. I think oftentimes, too, a lot of Christians do not understand that our language is different. And so when we're using these words like God and Jesus and salvation by faith, we have to make sure we're defining those terms. I think when we're doing that accurately and fairly, we're not going to be accused of having a a straw man argument. Yeah, and I think the statement that you just read was more meant to demonize those who might challenge the Latter-day Saint. And of course, uh, that's certainly not a good way of going about it. That would fall under the ad hominem category. But I think you're absolutely right. Asking the individual what they personally believe is probably one of the least ways of offending someone as well as getting to the truth that that individual might hold to. And as you mentioned, the truth that they might hold to, and I've got truth in quotation marks there, because if it's not in accordance with reality, it certainly is not truth. And if what this individual Latter-day Saint says they believe to be true, but yet it does not correspond with what the church wants them to believe, then I think that's a fair opportunity to challenge their conclusion. It's not that we're trying to be mean. It's not that we're trying to deceive. It's we're trying to understand where that individual is. And naturally, as you mentioned, Eric, the reason why we spend so much time citing the leaders of the church is because the leaders of the church are the only ones who are supposed to have the authority to speak on behalf of the church. 
There is no entity within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that is higher in authority than the First Presidency. Certainly there is no one in the LDS Church higher in authority than the prophet, seer, and revelator, the president of the Church. So it would only make sense that if we're trying to give an understanding of what Mormonism is all about, that we cite these people, that's who we're going to go to. We're not going to cite the personal opinion of an 18-year-old missionary. He certainly does not speak for the church. In fact, he would be the first person to tell you he does not speak for the church. Even Mormon apologists, if they're honest, they have to qualify what they say by telling you that they do not speak for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In fact, just about every book written by a Mormon scholar or written by a Mormon apologist has a disclaimer at the front of their book, making it clear that you understand that they do not speak for the Church. Really, only the prophet speaks for the Church without qualification. As we wrap up this uh, week series, take a look on page 79, Bill, and I'm going to read this, and we need to deal with what Oakes has said in the rest of his statement as far as answering the question about the spouse who's gone inactive. Again, he says, references to the church's many helps to answer familiar questions, such as the Gospel Topic Essays at uh, churchofjesuschrist.org, may help one who is sincerely seeking, but the best answer to any question that threatens faith is to work to increase faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Conversion to the Lord precedes conversion to the church, and conversion to the Lord comes through prayer and study and service furthered by loving patience on the part of the spouse and other concerned family members. The difficulties that I have with what he has just said here is that there's nowhere in the question that even hints that maybe the individual who has questions about church history or doctrinal issues has some kind of struggle with their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at this time in the, in the discussion, I'm not going to ask, well, tell me who your Lord Jesus Christ is. That's for another discussion. But it seems like he's throwing something into the mix that's really unnecessary. He says conversion to the Lord precedes conversion to the church. Is that how you've noticed that missionaries operate? When I've had missionaries come and speak to me at my house, it almost starts off immediately that they're trying to convert me to the church. Right. They never really ask me if I have a proper understanding of the Lord or a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I guess you could say they probably already assume that because I'm going to make it clear at the beginning of the conversation that I'm a Christian, but they don't even try to make sure that my belief in Christ is accurate. They immediately move into why I need to abandon what I believe and join the church. And by continuing to witness to you after you just said that you are a Christian who has had a conversion to the Lord, that won't make them turn around and say, okay, well, that's great, and I'm going to leave. No, they actually will want you to be converted to the true church. And that's why I think what you just said undermines this sentence that says conversion to the Lord precedes conversion to the church. That's exactly what they want you to do, is to be converted to the church. They're not going to get up and leave, as you said, Eric, just because you already have a conversion to the Lord. But when he says conversion to the Lord comes through prayer and study and service, furthered by loving patience on the part of the spouse and other concerned family members, is that how conversion to the Lord comes about? 
I thought conversion to the Lord came by faith in what Jesus did for you as an individual by his act on the cross at Calvary. His sacrifice made on our behalf and our faith in what he did is what converts us to the Lord. Why would it come through prayer? That wouldn't make sense because if prayer was necessary for that, who would you pray to and what would you pray? It seems like you have to have an object of faith first and then prayer would come afterwards. But he seems to get it incorrect here how someone is converted to the Lord. Let me just address one last thing, Eric, and that is on the very next page at the end of this article. It's found on page 80. He ends question six, not question five, question six, with this question that I think probably should have been put at the end of question five. He said, when you are asked a difficult question, such as a puzzler about church history or doctrine, be honest and positive and tell what you know. If necessary, say you don't know. But be sure to say what you do know. I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. And the reason why I have problems with that answer, it seems to acknowledge what I said earlier, that answers like that seem to be anti-intellectual. Because he says, but be sure to say what you do know, colon, I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. As if that is going to answer your questions regarding the problems in church history and doctrinal issues. I don't think that is going to help. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.